Hey, can you guys hear me? I'm using some headphones that have sometimes not worked on Twitter spaces, so. We, we hear you loud and Yeah, we got mic you. Mic check. Mic check, mic check. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can probably get started. Um, well, thanks for joining, everyone. Uh, super excited to have both William and Iskra today. Um, tons to talk about. Uh, and I guess we'll start with sort of, you know, a little bit about what's going on in the markets. Uh, I know, Vaughn, we wanted to talk a little bit about AI and what's happening there, since that's definitely the topic of, of the last few weeks, I guess. You know, what, what are you seeing? What's interesting I mean, to you? Oh, certainly hot. I mean, the brain drops stuff is really going crazy. I do think we need to at least preface it by saying that the, the day zero, day one stuff, so the Claire Silver and the Pindar, uh, and there's one other. Gene, like, Kogan, if you own that, yeah. Yeah, if you own that set, you get, do get access. So, you know, you do have to recognize that part of the bid in those assets could be related to the benefits that are bestowed for holding them. But obviously, the whole AI sector anything relating to AI right now seems to be red, you know, red hot, obviously life in West America still doing well uh, as well as pretty much everything related to the space. So, you know, it's good with, with the bright moments uh, drop coming up in a, I guess it's two months from now. Um, you know, they, they were pretty early on that and there's some definitely good artists in that as well. So timing, timing for that, that's pretty good. I think also. Yeah, what's the, I think with the auction for that's next week, I want to say. Is that right? That's, I think that's right. I think it's March 15th, I think. Yeah, March that 15th. sounds right. I'm trying to remember everybody that's, and I know it's like Sophia Crespo, Pinder. Um, Helen, Helena, Helena. Helena, Helena, yeah, Gambrew, Claire Silver, I think Kevin Abosh, maybe. Yes. Uh, Ivana Tao. I'm probably missing one or two people. But yeah, that should be like a super good one for sure. Definitely. And then trying to think of what else there was i mean there's like obviously still some more brain drop stuff we saw the claire silver signing with wme and like what's happening at the louvre with some of her pieces being shown i mean that's incredibly exciting did did, you, did either of you catch the timeline on that happening i think i missed the date on it i did not know the timeline on the louvre yeah with claire i can go look but i can't remember off the top of my head Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I guess the, there's something happening uh, with Beeple this weekend, like a studio show. Uh, not entirely sure what's going on there, but yeah, uh, I think that's this weekend. Yeah, I'm so. going and I'm not entirely sure what's going on still. So. I, think <laughs> I think it's the opening of his digital uh, art museum. I know he's got like a rather large space with a lot of you know, wall floor ceiling screens looks pretty impressive. It should be a good time for people who are going. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously, you know, with our special guest artists, uh, Iskra's involved with a, with a show at Sotheby's, uh, all female artists, some really, really great work. Um, we'll have her talk a little bit about that uh, today. And then Williams drop on Tonic uh, this Friday at 1 p.m. Strands of Solitude. I just picked up a couple of pieces in the pre-sale, which I sort of tweeted about uh, a little yeah, while ago. Those. They look really nice. Very yeah, cool. Great, great yeah. pickups. Appreciate that. Yeah, William's William's pretty exceptional. Um, so thanks, William. Appreciate you uh, making great art, man. It's pretty sweet. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, I guess we'll get going and, and we'll do artist intros. So William Iskra, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, I guess, William, we'll start with you, although I know you're probably tired of making the rounds at this point. Um, you know, tell, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about the journey, the process, the current collection, a little bit of everything. 
Hey, hi. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, a bit tired, but it's it's okay. I start to be like in a zombie mode where I'm tired, but okay. It's it's weird, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, yeah, um, about uh, what was the question again? Oh my God. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I was just saying, uh, just sort of a little bit about like you know your journey with art and the and your process, and then going into like obviously the the job this Friday and talking a bit, a bit about uh, how you've been going with that as well. Oh yeah, uh, my journey with Jean-Divart, um started I think like ten. No, I, what I was doing stuff with code uh, for the last twelve years maybe. And I started to call that Jantive Art maybe five years ago uh, when I basically stumbled onto actual you know, Jantive Art in museum and exhibition. I was like, oh, okay, this is how it is called, what I'm doing in my little room at home. So this is, there's actually actual artists doing that uh, for real. So, okay, let's, let's, let's dig into that. And since I've been digging, uh, and last year, Uh, in 2021, uh, my first uh, major release on Tezos was Dragons, which was a very good step for me to to explore the Web3 space. And then um, some months after that, uh, I took a leap with Anti-Cyclone on Artblocks, which was much more challenging for me because... I mean, in my in my practice, my practice of of art is I, I like to juggle juggle like to to balance between analog and and coding and digital. So I like to to import different concepts from digital to analog and from um, concepts from analog and import them into the digital space. So something like texture or color stuff stuff like that. So it was very important for me to translate this as well. And Artblocks very pushed me, pushed me into my toward my limits. So can I actually do that? I was a, I wasn't very confident at first when I started doing anticyclone. And the more and more I was progressing, I was like, oh, okay, I can actually do that. So let's do it and let's do it. I kept 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 pushing for months. And at some point it just went on the website and It was an overwhelming success, and I'm so grateful for it. I'm like, whoa, this is actually happening. <laughs> so since then, I was so, but basically, the, the space gave me the confidence to continue, continue into doing this, and now I'm doing more of it. Um, and so the last, the latest, the, the last, <laughs> the latest series, yes, Trends of Solitude, is much more about me uh, exploring the concept of solitude, loneliness, and you know, lockdown with COVID. So it, yeah, it's all about being you know, isolated, basically. So either as an artist, because I discovered that being an artist is actually very, a very lon a lonely path. Uh, and the same thing with, with COVID and lockdown, I was very isolated. And sometimes I was actually finding finding joy in being in being alone uh, as an artist or even during lockdown because it can enable me to 
make stuff I, w- I wouldn't think about. And I wanted to have this very strong um, theme for this series. And and on top of that, I quite noticed, you know, in, on social media how we are not alone, but I would say we are alone together or together alone. It's like we live our, our own experience, but at the same time, we... We are quite isolated and we don't talk to each other. And even with you know, when you have like conflicted debates on social, it's all it, it's very like especially on Twitter, it's very uh, nocive. It's it's very negative, and I wanted to I like that as well. So everyone is in the same space, but at different speed, at different position, at different you know opinion. And sometimes we can talk to each other, but sometimes we can't. And that's that's the, the foundation of this story is like the strengths, the the lines defining like they they go they go they, they start from the outside of the frame and they they travel across the composition and they sometimes uh, end at the other side of the composition. And this is basically the world of the bubbles. Like you have your little bubbles, your social bubble, and and you can't communicate with another one while it's right next right next to you you just don't see it because you know that's how social media works and and yeah it's all about that the concept awesome thanks man always good to hear your your thoughts on on how you uh go through with the with the process iskra thanks for coming thanks for joining uh, definitely same same questions uh your way you know introduction to yourself, your practice, your process. I know, like I said uh, a few minutes ago, you've got a really cool piece up for sale in the Sotheby's auction, and that's super exciting. Um, so yeah, take it away. Yeah, hi. Well, um, Iskra here. Thanks for having me. Um, well, my background is um, in data visualization. Uh, everything started like 10 years ago. First with my own studio, then I, I moved to a um, financial institution in Spain and during the first years I was uh, basically dealing with huge amounts of data and you know trying to make sense of um, all this mess in a beautiful way uh, drawing things sharing with uh, media mostly and kind of uh, filling this gap you know with uh, between the data science at the time and the social opinion or something like that and at some point I just realized that I was most interested in the algorithms uh, than in data itself because data was so restrictive sometimes for me and and I was so lucky to be part of a very you know a very great scientific team at that time so I I just you know took the chance to learn from them and I got quite involved in machine learning and you know the philosophy behind the algorithms that um, those scientists were making and I started assuming more strategic roles in the place and and at some point I just realized that I was um, trying to to answer some questions that were um, progressively uh, bringing me far and far from the business uh, needs of the company so I just quit my job that was just 
one year before um, the COVID. And yes, I just quit and thinking that I really need to, to get more deep into these questions of how very in short, you know, this huge brain that we can call machine, lear- machine learning and artificial intelligence can, you know, open the doors and unlock new ways of understanding our relationship with our context um, between each other. I mean, very, very interesting questions for me. Um, so yes, I just quit my job and I spent like one year on just trying to to understand why I quit, you know, and what I was going to do. And we, let's say, we built a playground at home with, uh, we took a plotter, a pottery wheel, um, like making a space great to start creating things. I, I really didn't know where, where, where I was going, but I, I really thought that I could just, you know, share something with the world. And I think I had this wow moment, like uh, William, at some point when I realized that I really wanted to express myself through algorithms. And, but since, you know, since the beginning of my background, I, I never said that in these words, you know, and, and at some point it just popped up this, you know, this idea of this is generative art. Um, of course, that was here for a long time, but I mean, in, in the social um, expression, let's say in the media, it became like more hype. And I say, okay, I can do that. I, this is actually what I'm doing. And I just, you know, that that's how I started doing that. And my first idea was to keep going through these questions. But then at some point, I just realized that I, I couldn't cope with everything at that time. So I just, um, you know, decided just to go through the aesthetics and explore and, you know, take care of building my own body of work or something. And this is how everything came and I'm here now. Um, and yes, talking about, speaking about particularly now, I'm very happy with this piece in Sotheby's. It's for a really great cause. I think uh, very good in time, you know, with uh, today and all that represents for women. And yeah, I was so happy to be invited to be part of this. And I really wanted to really something special for me as uh, the birds are. And, and yeah, since I'm spending now one month and a half in Paris for a project, I was so inspired by, you know, the romantic idea of Paris. And I really wanted to combine those two things and encapsulate, you know, this bird into, some, into a very special moment for me, which is now here in Paris. And yes, the, the, there is something of the city in this piece for me those colors, those shapes. Um, so yes, this is like my my proposal for the show and and let's see how it's going, yeah. Great, thanks Iskar. Uh, I've talked to both of you a little bit about this idea of like your processes and sort of organic discovery of, of, of outputs and, and what's possible with your systems through sort of like breaking them and seeing like what comes out of it. You know, can both of you kind of talk a little bit about what your version of that looks like and, and how you stumble upon things and, and why like that is an important part of your practice? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think that you are the, the, a, a very good foundation, very important foundation, sorry. 
or giant art is the randomness uh, aspect of it, the um, the chaos you can inject into an algorithm. Uh, that's how I I I, I differentiate differentiate uh, procedural art where you want to be you want to do something very specific, and giant art where you allow your system to be to be random. Um, and and what I like about this is you can imagine all your way the way you want uh, an algorithm will will be have. You can't possibly imagine all the parameter space that exists around the algorithm. And I think this is the beauty with modern generative you know, art, like using the computer. You can actually explore all these parameter space as at an insane pace uh, like we you couldn't do before so sometimes you're like okay i pretty much things of pretty much think um thoughts about all the possibilities of my algorithm and then you put a crazy value in this particular value and then something completely different happen and you don't even understand and then basically the computer tells you to actually understand what you're doing because it's just outputting some stuff you told him to, told it, not told him, not told it to do. So it's like a co collaboration, but the, the, the artist, the human is very at the, um, at the core of it and how it can allow the machine to make choices. It's, it's, it's very crazy to me that we can do that uh, these days. And I think that's how, like Iskra uh, is, is the same, I, I feel. We allow ourselves to just fail our algorithm and let it go, like let it be crazy, let it find the thing that we couldn't think of. Um, so yeah, this is how I, I play with my algorithm usually. I just design something very like with something very specific in mind and then at some point i'm like okay i'm gonna break break my own reality and find another one what about you Iska? yes i think exactly i i completely agree with william and we we've been talking a lot about this and i think we we share this common approach i think in my case is it's really fundamental this approach of just breaking everything maybe while listening William I was thinking about why I'm doing that actually and maybe it comes from my background in in visualization maybe you know because I was I had to have a very clear idea of uh, what I needed to represent and, and that had to be very accurate um, with this first idea because that was you know representing facts and I remember at that time I I was I had really difficult times with that because I'm not exactly an organized person or um you know focus on something and lover of following rules so <laughs> I don't know how to say that and I found myself um very well you know at my home just saying okay this is not for anyone this is just for me I can just break everything and see what, what's happening and that's something that I'm super grateful for now that I can just uh dedicate my time doing that i mean that that's my job now just uh exploring and destroying things and i think 
getting back to the point of the piece now in, in Sotheby's, which is the bird, that's a clear example of that. That that was, um, I'm very bad with dates, but I guess two years ago when I came up with the first bird, that was, I was playing with, you know, this very simple algorithm for creating trees and I just did it and it was, yeah, very nice, but it's it's boring for me. I mean, just I'm here after two hours and I created a tree. So I tried to destroy that tree by crazy rotations, uh, play with scales, uh, lines, thin lines, uh, bolt lines, many, many things. And then at some point, I, I don't know how it emerged, um, the bird, which is not exactly, you know, the bird, but it's an illusional. So I really reflected a lot about how this happened and what does it mean exactly? Because I, I think as William says, there is something really magical in in this new collaboration with the machine or as i said before uh with this bigger brain i mean this is for me um a very interesting point in history because we are not creating something that we know what we are doing i mean we we create something and then we had we have this answer from something that we really don't know what it is, but we have a new information and we have to deal with that. So I think it's very beautiful, first of all, to be able to go uh, back to your code and say, okay, how I came up to this and what does it mean? And also, I think, for example, the plotter helps me a lot with that because sometimes I obtain something that is very crazy and I don't know how I, I did it. And then if I plot that and I observe, the pace is very different and I can see line by line how how is the logic behind. So th there are a lot of questions that for me are interesting to be answered in this process. But I think, yeah, just like William said, there is something very beautiful on starting with an idea, then breaking it. And once you obtain something completely new, start tuning that into something, you know, to gain control again, but um, from something that it's it's not... It's a collaboration, I mean, with, with another entity. So yeah, this is my process mostly. I want to thank both our guests for joining today. Really appreciate it. Um, I had a question for Iskra. Uh, the first piece I bought from you was from your uninhabitable drop. Um, very cool, really liked it. Uh, more recently, I picked up uh, from, from that same drop, one of the um, red light versions. And I'm just kind of curious as to what the inspiration for the red ones were specifically. I know that you talk about in the drop evoking natural environments and buildings. And, and I'm just curious is what, what, what was the significance of the red and why did you, you know, put that in there? Well, first of all, thank you for having not one, but two. I really much appreciate that. Um, well, the story behind Inhabitable is Again, you know, this break and build, break and build. And that's my first long form ever. And one of the very few that I have, that I have actually. And I am most, I like, I, I think I prefer one of ones. I have a better relationship with one of ones because I spend a lot of time with each one. I like to create a story around. And when I face this new opportunity of, uh, trying myself in this long form practice, which, which is very different from a one-on-one. I really thought I needed a story. Um, 
I'm very attached to the storytelling. I mean, it's, it's very, very important for me. And I thought, okay, um, if I do a long form, there is something that I need to, to create to connect all the pieces. And I was playing with these ellipses and I don't know, at some point, something like a city or a horizon emerged from the code. And I decided, you know, to break the system in different pieces to obtain different scenes, let's say. And it was very interesting for me to say, okay, that could be my first long form because actually uh, what I wanted to reflect there was this uh, loneliness of being in, in particular spaces, which is, you know, a nowhere in the middle of the forest or in the city or in the downtown, you know. Um, so my main purpose there was to create something that could look very similar, uh, the outputs, because, you know, the cities are not that different one of the other. And a forest is actually, you, you, if you're inside a forest, you don't know where in which forest are you because everything is very similar. But, you know, if you just look detail in the details of the work, you can see different um, stories in each piece. But I really wanted to create this sense of, I really don't know where I am, you know. And um, the system is very pure in colors. There is, uh, it's a monochrome. I mean, well, it's like a um, cream background and just black strokes. And I really felt that I needed something stronger to add into some of the elements. And I really like this black, white and, and, and red combination. And I just started, you know, playing with, with that idea. And first it was very heavy, you know, when I added the color, it was, it really broke everything. So I, I said, okay, maybe it's not a good idea, but then I started working with a stroke width. And at the end, I had this kind of um, fog that I, I think it's, it's on some of the pieces and I really like that. And I said, okay, I actually didn't think a lot about this. It was a very uh, quick decision. I said, okay, I like this. And, and yes, I think it, it breaks a bit the system. It, it creates this uh, feeling of, of something stronger in some of the pieces. And, and that was a story. Thank you. Very, very good. Thank you. Yeah, both of you guys, think you know one thing i guess what i really enjoy is, is how much effort you put into storytelling into the work right i mean it's it builds that connection both with you and the art uh you and your art that you create but also like it allows the collector to to make a connection there and, and that's sort of the most interesting part is like it's great to have the art and to look at it but it's even better to understand it to build some kind of a connection with it and william you're you're sort of like really similar to iskra in that sense that you're always trying to like build a connection with what you're creating and and build a story and, and, and sort of close the loop. And yeah, sometimes um, that might be overwhelming, I would imagine, but it's also got to be super rewarding, right? Uh, yeah, it's definitely re rewarding. Um, for me, my relationship with art is really something that comes from within you. So it's like a voice. It's like something you want to uh, out, like it's like an inner, uh, inner thing that when you want to output, you, you want to, to convey, to, to communicate, and coding or whatever your medium, AI, uh, writing, uh, anything, it just just like a translation of of you and what you feel. And I very think that if I I, I start to 
to succeed to, to succeed succeed sorry in in translating my emotion and feelings into something then i can share it to the world and maybe it will talk to other people as well but it it has to talk to me first so i try i really try to analyze myself all the time and and what i want to say what i want to do what i want what i what do i feel and that's how usually concepts uh, get defined for for me and then the challenge is to to work with my medium which is generative generative so to inject some randomness so how to to still keep that vision while injecting chaos so this is a whole difficulty for me always to not get off the track because it's very easy to to say oh i like that output i don't know how it happened but i very liked it and and just put it in the series and then it has no sense in the wall as well if you look if you zoom out so i try to always keep track of this of this vision so i i usually visualize this as I have my main track, like my starting point and my vision, which is my end point. And then with Janty, with the computer, I start to create sidelines. But at the end, I always try to, to merge them back into the main track and to not you know, get too far away from my main concept. And if I usually have a lot of bugs, I have a lot of things that I didn't, I didn't plan, but if they don't match the concept and my vision, if, basically if it doesn't speak to me, I just leave it uh, in my folders and never show it again. <laughs> AB, I think, and I can can say that I <laughs> don't show, don't show me. I, I do a lot of stuff that I don't show, but it's mainly that um, I do something. It's very beautiful, but it has no sense in the current context. So I just put it aside and we'll take it back later on for something else but um i really think that the the, the process of of externalizing the emotion and feeling is the core concept of art so it's not because we have a computer that we have to forget that i think yeah um, I, sorry go ahead matt no i definitely just think like <clears throat> that's a common critique in generative art is it's very tough to kind of convey emotions and feelings and meaning behind the art because you know a you're interacting with a machine and b i just think a lot of people don't get the opportunity to like hear the story from the artists behind the work so i'm wondering like you know what would you guys like to see more of moving forward to kind of help you know get that message out there and like help people better understand what goes into the work because i think a lot of people are still just looking at jaren of art and they're like oh, it's just some combination of shapes and colors and there's not like, you know, a deeper meaning <laughs> behind it. Like that's the common like critique that I get when I talk yeah. to people about it. Um, so like, you know, how can we kind of help, you know, convey convey that there actually is meaning behind a lot of this art and, and the message behind it? Like, do we need to do more, um, you know, but like, ex like to reveal more about the process? I, I don't know. I'm just curious to hear y'all's thoughts. I definitely think it's a, about the process and and education because this is pretty new for a lot of people, don't you art? So we have to educate everyone about what is this practice and to show 
how it is done, the processes, the vision, and it, and people usually just understand how it is actually art and not just a bunch of random shapes uh, put on the canvas. Uh, but yeah, I think and this is what why I also choose to work with Tonic on this uh, to bring more collectors to the to the you know to the um, to the mix and educate them and tell them there's this new thing, this new wave of art and you should look at it because it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ironic how art, the art world is always kind of pushed back on a new form of art at first. And then, you know, over time, it becomes more widely accepted. Like you would think after a certain point that people would become more embracing of new types of art, but it just continues to kind of follow the same cycle. It's just an interesting dynamic in the art world overall. Like at some point, you'd think we'd break that cycle, but... I guess that's just the way it is. I think it's something that, <clears throat> as you said, it just comes with time. I think now a lot of critics that I hear, they're sometimes just mixing everything. You know, I don't like this new art. I don't like the NFTs. I don't like uh, this new market. I don't like crypto. And it's like, okay, let's just break everything and, and, and talk about everything separately. Or that's... Um, how I feel sometimes goes the conversation. But I think focusing particularly only on, 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 on the art, I think for the good or for the bad, because I'm a huge supporter of the purely digital piece. I really enjoy um, a, a digital piece itself. But I think as humans, we connect way easier with physical pieces. And I think now there is a very beautiful trend on like Tonic, I mean, printing these uh, artworks and, and other galleries and other independent artists, they're really trying to push the borders of uh, that's the output that I had from the computer. But with that in my hands, I can really um, convey everything to the physical world. And that's something that really touches emotionally uh, easy in an easy way, you know, to uh, many of the people that they are not so used to this kind of art. And I think with everything together at the end, there is something you said before, many people, you know, think that this is a combination of shapes. And I agree. And sometimes it is a combination of shapes what we do. And, but I think we are just trying, we are exploring now and, and there is room for everything. But I think at the end, even if you are a digital artist, a generative artist, an AI or an oil painter, traditional one, I mean, we are all here to express something, as William said before, and put honestly our emotions in our work. And I'm sure that even if it's a combination of shapes, even if it's on the screen or whatever, once, you know, you see something that is like, wow, for you, because it really connects with you. It's impossible, you know, for anyone to say this is not art because uh, it's just about feeling. So I think from the artist's perspective, and I think uh, we discussed that as well with William. Sometimes it's just do a step back sometimes. I'm taking some time off now to re-understand what's the context, what, what's, what's, um, what's what we have to do, I mean, and how can we connect with that? And I think the only way to do that is just to do this step back, work on your stuff, forget about anything else, and just create honestly uh, something that truly really touches you and I think it touches you. That's um, 
that opens the door, you know, to touch the emotion of, of anyone else. So I think it's, yeah, just in short, it's like all kind of art. I mean, this is the same thing here. Yeah, I think like something we've been hearing from a lot of artists and collectors too, really, is like this thirst for um, the manifestation of the generative systems or outputs in like in physical forms, right? And, and in different physical forms. Uh, I'd be curious to know how much you guys share in that in the thirst for that and what kind of physical mediums you're most interested in. I mean, Iskra, you can talk a little bit about this if you want. Uh, the sort of... Uh, Thing you created with Marcelo uh, Powell, you know, via Kate, uh, Kate Fast Gallery, and this idea of like performance art for for generative work, which is the first that I've seen. I'm, I'm sure there's been other examples of it, and maybe you can speak to that. But um, some combination of performance art and these physical mediums. And I know you talked a little bit about really enjoying the digital medium, but curious where you guys are looking toward the future on that front. Yeah, I I am definitely very interested in experimental projects and that usually comes with this combination of both worlds because it's very um, appealing you know to play with physical elements when you we, when you want to to just explore something new I when I started with everything I I was really interested in play with clay actually I have my will at home I'm a disaster doing things with ceramics but I'm really uh, trying to learn and to do something because I really wanted to express myself uh, through that. And that's why I bought my plotter because I really wanted to draw with the plotter on different uh, ceramic and porcelain uh, pieces. So that was my beginning. And I'm, I'm, I'm still very connected to that, but you know, at the end with the fast pace of the space, I, I had to just uh, put some things aside, but I'm definitely going back to that when I find it, when I can find the time. And this project with Marcelo was really, um, it's actually, it's, it's technological because it's, um, we created this system and then we put it on a VHS tape and then we run it, we destroy it with this magnet. So it's, it's nothing to do, you know, with traditional painting or something or the plotter, how we usually connect these things to the physical world. But it was amazing, you know, just to have this fresh air of being free, just to play as kids. You know, with different elements, buying these tapes, buying these old TVs and just brought me and I think to the both of us uh, a great joy. And yeah, for me, definitely, I'm, I'll try to combine more orthodox projects in the future, but for sure, I'll, I'll be super attached to these um, new things and new reflections and because I really enjoy playing this um unknown places where I really don't know how it's going to be but you know the process itself it's um, major for me yeah I loved it I thought it was really cool like when I first read about it I mean I'm not saying that this is necessarily the inspiration but it definitely reminded me of like Marina Abramovich and Ule and sort of like some of the performance art that they did back in the day so yeah I thought it was really cool really unique something that I definitely would like to see more artists explore in the future uh, William, not to hijack you there, but yeah, just sort of same question over to your side, you know, looking to the future, some physical, I'm sorry, some physical manifestations of some of your work and, and upcoming projects. Um, physical has always been, I think, uh, like a, a, a core part of me. Uh, and indeed, as Iskra said, like the Web3 space <laughs> put, put us in a weird spot where 
with the fast spot actually where we tend to forget uh, ourselves and it's very important I think to step back and to say oh, okay uh, this is what I was doing before and I'm going back to it and then maybe I'll come back but let's just me let's let me let me have a break um, I think it's very important to develop as an artist to have those breaks and and just evolve as an artist. And on my part, I think painting is a lot, is very, a very strong component of mine. Um, so I'm trying currently to find ways to combine my code and, and paint in bizarre ways, <laughs> as usual. Um, but I'm also like a dancer. So I do a lot of hip hop and stuff like that. And at some point, I'd love to do something with dancing. I think this is a very strong vector of communication and emotion. And I'm still I'm start I'm starting to work on on concepts and stuff like that, how I could mix uh dancing and gentle arts and and yet to just put my body out there. Um I just wanna, you know, give my body some some stuff to to work on physically and to really feel what you're making because sometimes with the computer it's quite hard to feel, um, you know, to feel physically what you're doing because you're, you're typing on a computer, so on the on the keyboard, so it's much harder to to feel the the material. I mean, it's uh, just plastic, <laughs> so it's very different than painting or or pottery or anything else. So I'd like to find a new medium for me to express myself, but I'm still working on that. But uh, I think the m most, like the next one would, would be painting. I'm, 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 I, I have some ideas I can't disclaim, disclaim for now, but it's coming, I guess. Perfect. Thanks for that. Um, you know, there's been like a lot like a, a sort of a movement up in pace uh, in terms of like how often artists are minting work these days. Um, and obviously there's a lot of demand for regenerative artists right now. Uh, you know, how have you guys managed sort of the cadence of wanting to do a lot of work, wanting to tinker, wanting to have fun and also keeping up with the demand from, from the market at large. And uh, do you see that changing going forward? I know Iskra, you mentioned a little bit about like maybe taking a break for a bit. Um, you know, how's, how's that been? And, 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 you know, what's been the, the, men the experience mentally, I guess, more than physically of like dealing with that? Well, yeah, I really wanted to have a break, but I, I actually haven't taken it because uh, my, my wish was start the year with some, you know, a few months of just fully disconnecting of everything and, and maybe traveling a bit and in order to come back with a fresh mind, but it, it didn't go this way, but but at least I had the opportunity to, to be abroad and to work on some stuff which is not that directly connected to the space uh, because I really needed to, to get back with, um, let's say, stronger uh, because the, they've been like two years a bit exhausting for me, super exciting. But at some point, I, I felt like I really needed to, to bring something valuable and I was not um, ready for that, you know, um, without taking this break. <clears throat> And regarding the market itself, I can declare publicly that I 
sometimes I'm lost. I, I, I think there are too many things. And as, as artists, I think we would like to be, uh, you know, to understand everything and to be everywhere, but I, I just can't do that. And sometimes I just don't understand that. And I realize how I decreased substantially my release, my releasings, because it's um, in the beginning, I just released things because I just, you know, liked the work and I really wanted to share it with people. And I explored a lot, minting in different platforms. And now it's um, maybe it's just my my problem. Maybe I'm not right doing that, but I really think a lot before releasing something. Um, I don't know why. I just uh, don't feel that comfortable releasing uh, some of my stuff. As William said, I have my computer full of things. Um, and that's why I, even if I'm taking this step back to understand better things, I am, or, you know, to, to work more in, in a new body of work, I release a lot of uh, whips on, on Twitter because it's because I have a lot of things and I really want to share that with, with the community that I'm so grateful for many things. And I just, you know, I want to create stories daily um, of things that I just see in my works. Or maybe I see here a person, I see, I see here a building or, I don't know, and I just want to share that and, um, yeah, maybe establish some, some dialogue with, somebody that sees something on the piece and and that's completely enough for me and I really enjoy that but you know in terms of creating something to to put on the market I, I yeah I I really need to think a lot before doing that these days so yeah I don't know maybe it's for the best I'm, I'm not sure yeah it's super interesting about the whips because like you're talking with so many artists like I guess I'll out William a little bit but I'm sure he'll talk about it is like this idea of like comfort around sharing that like sharing at a certain point through your process some people are very comfortable doing that 20 30 percent of the way through and some people are like i don't want to put it out there until i'm ready to release it as like a collection or, or something very close to that you know like william we've, we've i think we've had a conversation about this before and you know is that so, sort of still your point of view or have you shifted and you're you're a little bit more lenient these days um i'm definitely shifting towards um releasing way less uh, last year was super intense um i almost burned out definitely so it, it was super hard for me to maintain this space of web3 and releases and collaboration with having a family uh especially a kid in young age and it was like opposite direction for me some something was going on the left and the other one was going on the right, and then and I was stretch, stretch in in between. So it was super hard. And the compromise that I am finding is to to just release less and to work less on my stuff, but work longer uh, on a particular release, on a particular uh, series. And I found that this this way I I can go even deeper into my understanding of my practice. Because sometimes when you go too fast, it's really hard to to have the big the big picture in mind. So especially especially for artists, um I think it's really easy to get lost into this space. So I'm definitely an advocate uh, of the slow pace. Um I understand that some artists want and some collectors 
wants more releases, but I think it's not <laughs> human and not reasonable and not sustainable to do that for the on the long run. And I think this is a good, actually a good a good thing. Um, like this is we're all in there for the long run, so why don't we take the time to make stuff? Uh, I think it's super important to to realize uh, that. Um, so yeah, less, please less, <laughs> less stuff happening every day, less drama. And that's also why I try to be less on Twitter, way less, to just not get caught up into the, the whole tornado of Twitter and Elon Musk and, and shit. But um, yeah, I think it's important to to step back and and to be more grounded Basically, yeah. Basically, basically, being more grounded to your words. You don't don't forget your words. I think I'm definitely gonna think of, tor- of Twitter as a tornado now. I might steal that. That's great. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to bash Elon Musk there either, but that was quite good. Uh, William, I have a question for you. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan. Uh, very much looking forward to Strands of Solitude uh, on the 10th and definitely plan to mint. I, uh, I guess the question I want to ask you is like, in, there's some obviously very large differences between that and anti-cyclone, but I also, there's also some similarity of it's kind of wondering, you know, uh, is there, is there some underlying DNA that they share and how do you contrast them and what are some of the similarities and what are some of the differences between the two algos? Um, good question. It's definitely like the next step of anti-cyclone, but in a different way because it's not a, it's not a long form on chain. Although it's it is it is the same way of generating. It's it's it is generated in the browser and everything is made in the browser, so there is no post processing or or anything, and no image as well. It's like it's basically like I would do this for art blocks, but I just create it. Um, but basically, this is the same underlining algorithm in terms of rendering, but completely rewrote because I just wanted, like Antisyclone was made to be na- digital native, right? To be on screen. And I'm still working on the prints right now with, with Sofia Garcia and Artix Code on making the prints, but it wasn't made for that at the beginning. With Tonic, it was very much different. I, oops, I was like, okay, I'm going to make something very in between. So it has to be good on screen and on prints. And see that what the, the, the sweet this sweet spot was very hard to find. And I kept rewrite rewriting my shaders and everything until I got to the point where I was happy with which was hard. But I'm quite happy how it turned out and but basically yeah this is I would say like a natural evolution of anticyclone because with anticyclone I had this huge challenge of hard blocks of doing everything in the browser, real time, uh, super performant but super beautiful. And with this one, I was confident that I could do that. So I just went deeper into the concept and the vision. So I I didn't have any doubts basically about my capacity at doing this, about just having doubts at being able to translate my vision 
correctly. So this is different approach. Um, so yeah, this is, I think, pretty much the difference. It's, there is no real technical difference, but the challenges, the challenges were different. How do you kind of decide <clears throat> once you like want to stop continuing on a certain concept or idea? Like, is there a point where you realize or where you decide like, oh, I want to just completely pivot and try a completely different concept? Or like, I guess, when, at what point are you satisfied like exploring a certain concept? I'm just curious from an artist standpoint. Oh, that's, William's uh, answer is going to be like every 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's super hard. Oh, my God. It's when, when to stop. Um, basically, the deadline. The deadline defines where to stop when there is one. Um, like be, the working with Tonic was super helpful. Uh, having someone, you know, outside of, of your work uh, can really be of help like okay man you can just stop now it's 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 okay <laughs> but as an artist i could go on and on and on for a year i have some algorithm that i'm working on for two years already that never showed up uh on never like anywhere i never sh shared them uh, only ab saw them basically but it's really hard to, to, to stop and basically i think this is the beauty of journey art this never stops. There is an infinity of possibility and it's our role to explore them all. But when you mix it with the market and deadlines, then you have to find like a compromise. And this compromise is super hard to find when you're alone. But luckily we have people to help, so it's mostly fine. <laughs> Iskra, did you want to take that one? Yeah, well, I was going to say the same. I mean, the deadline usually defines uh, <laughs> the end of the project. But yeah, for example, now that I have this um, time for myself, I'm really enjoying this. I think sometimes in my case, at least when I work on something, um, at some point you just see, you know, a different way to continue with the algorithm and that doesn't mean that you should go in that direction, but you just put aside this new direction and you continue working on that algorithm. And then you have this another one for the future, you know, to work on that. And as William, I have a lot, a lot of systems like on my computer waiting or not, you know, to, to be taken at some point and, and developed more. And and now I'm enjoying a lot this, this free uh you know, time just to explore things without any deadline in mind or just a few, but, you know, just being free to to really dive into the systems and see what happens. And I think at some point you just know that um, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's something that really tells a story. It's consistent or not, or, and then you just uh, understand that you have to work a bit more on the consistency of the system or, you know, the final tuning uh, aspects of uh, releasing something and being proud of that. But I think aesthetically or in terms of the story, um, you just know that. Um, I, maybe it's very similar with a traditional artist. Um, and I want to say sorry for this term because I, I, I maybe it's not so good for some of the artists uh, because we are calling them traditional. But I'm, I'm thinking about 
painting or sculpture, I'm sure they have the same process. They they could infinitely, you know, work on something, but they just know when I have to stop. And I think here is the same. Yeah, lovely. Uh, I think we'll do a few, sorry. I think we'll do a few audience questions if anybody has any, or if you want to come up, come up on stage and ask. Uh, welcome to you know, DM me or send a comment as well if you'd prefer to just ask a question that way. Uh, while we wait for a few of those to file in, um, Iskra, I've talked to you a bit before and we can throw it to William after about sort of uh, when you first got into the idea of like minting your work on the blockchain. I think like if I remember correctly, you mentioned that you started over in the Tezos ecosystem and that was sort of your intro and now you're sort of expanding over a little bit into Ethereum and, you know, can you talk a little bit about what that was like at the beginning and, and what it's like for you today? Yes, so I first minted, no, well, my first, I first minted in OpenSea because they, that was the first platform that I learned of. And I just put there um, a collection of works and that was my first experimentation. And then I think it was one week later or something because, you know, the pace was so condensed in time. Um, actually, it was Marcelo who told me um, there is new this new thing, he could know. And I, I think I needed four or five days to learn how to mean there because it was you know a beautiful but messy place and and yeah I, I just started experimenting there and I I'm very grateful for that time because it was the first connection with this community that we know now um well it's it uh, for me it's unprecedented you know the the quality of, of this community and and that was my first approach to that and I think Hiketnung had something very particular and it was that we were a very small group of people and, and William was also there and it was special because we didn't have any kind of pressure of anything because, you know, nobody uh, was looking at us. I mean, and it was very, very interesting that because we could experiment with pricing, we, we could experiment with pieces and... I just really felt really free there. And and I think that's why I got more connected to Tezos because, um, yeah, I mean, Hypnum was there. And and I was also, yeah, I just, I, I it's not that I was attached to Tezos, but I was just there, you know. And then FX Hash came, which uh, was the next level of this um, community, you know, uh, expansion. And it was a game on Tezos. And I, I, I was just very i felt really good you know in this uh, in this context so i i yeah mostly i started in in tezos but now with the merch and with everything i i think we all are trying you know to expand ourselves and being agnostic in terms of uh, chains um, now i'm you know i'm getting more introduced to ethereum i i found really really cool and interesting people there and, and artists and and I know I, I need to work a bit more in that direction because I, I was more consolidated in, in Tezos, but I, I'm definitely willing to, to really, you know, be completely agnostic and, and just go where, where the art is, where interesting people are and just make sure that I can, you know, mix with them and, and, and grow. So, yeah, that was my story regarding the, the chains. <laughs> Go ahead, William. Uh, yeah, for me, this was like this was so chaotic. My God, like the Ink and Ink experience was, whoa! 
uh, I was lucky to have um, a friend uh, who introduced me to this whole thing, um, Matt, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Delaurier, was like, oh man, you should put your stuff on there. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? And, and said, yeah, 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 create, uh, create, create uh, you know, a wallet and, and mint it. And I was like, what? And he took my hand and he said, okay, click here, click here, put your stuff here and you'll be fine. And, and I, I'm so glad he did that. <laughs> Because I discovered a whole new world, a world community uh, where we were in, in between us, uh, like the, the creative coders, the creative artists. Uh, we really took over in Kenunk, um for some reason. Uh, mostly, I think, um, thanks to Casimondo and, and Matt, actually. And this is the first time I experienced a community effect that pushes you forward. And I'm so grateful for yeah, Tezos community for that. Um, then that's why I wanted to release my first long form on Tezos as well, to pay tribute to Tezos and to just say, I'm going from that point. Uh, I'm coming from that point. And then I experienced um, with Artblocks and Ethereum. And now I'm trying basically to expand Art and and let people know about this practice and just we don't have to be in our own bubble i just want to have everyone in the world to see that and i think it's really important to for like an art movement to be seen so i try to push forward this and that's also why i'm working with tonic um but yeah i think being not a maxi thing, uh, if this is the right term, is important, I think, because everything, there is some good and some bad in everything. We don't have to be, we don't have to, to stick to only one thing. And something, I, I, I learned some stuff only in, in Tezos and other stuff only in Ethereum. And if I was like, okay, I'm going to just put stuff on Tezos, I would never have heard of what was going on on Ethereum, with, and there's some pretty much amazing stuff going on going on there. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely up for expansion of bubbles. Awesome, thanks guys. Um, yeah, quick shout out to Marcelo and Zach and some other artists in the chat. Great to see you guys here today, and, and thanks for for coming on and tuning in. Um, we did have one speaker on stage, Grace B. Uh, welcome, and and please go ahead with your question. Uh, hi, thanks. It's actually not a question, but is that okay? It's a comment. <laughs> sure, go ahead. By all yeah, means. so I wanted to say my bit about this ongoing discussion regarding uh, in real life collectors and digital collectors, specifically blockchain. And from my point of view, it's our job to ease all access to digital art, especially blockchain art starting with easing the wallet and all this security nonsense that we have at the time. I think it's also very important to put ourselves in the shoes of seasoned collectors and realize that for most of us collecting now digital art, we've been in blockchain for four, four or five years, five years, maybe seven years before we ever started collecting art. Uh, and I doubt that we would have started this 
hadn't been, you know, our first year in blockchain. So uh, I would work on reducing all bar barriers, barriers, sorry. And also personally, to me, art is art. And that's as defined by the beholder. So I'm no one to tell someone else that that piece of art is valuable or not. I think our job is just making it accessible and having it at as you know, at least that that's many platforms as possible so that people may choose what works for them, which may not be what works uh, for us. The same runs for Ethereum and, and Tezos and such. I'm blockchain agnostic, but at the same time, I want to state that this idea that let's bring folks that have been in Tezos to Ethereum because, you know, there's more money here and whatever, I actually do not agree with that at all. Every blockchain serves its purpose and uh, we should be collaborating across. And then I think I have another point. Um, oh, that's, you know, let's figure out how we collectively bring art collectors and regular folks, not just art collectors, uh, to the digital art realm. And it's sort of putting, we have to put it at arm's length. So if, and Tonic is starting to do that and others, not just Tonic. The thing is we're starting to do it with, you know, very high valued pieces. And I suggest that we try to do it also with more accessible pieces because every time everyone, you included, starts something new, we try to start it taking less risk. And I think you cannot relate to that. I bet no one here started buying Bitcoin when it was $50,000. We all started earlier. And had it been that situation, we would have had uh, more doubts. So the more we lower the bar barriers, uh, the better. And that is all. <laughs> Thanks for listening and sorry for the long talk. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate your perspective. Thanks so much for that. Um, I think if there's no other questions, We'll pretty much wrap up. Um, just wanted to close the loop really quickly with the artists. Uh, William's Drop on Tonic is on Friday, uh, I believe, 1 p.m. Eastern. Is that correct, William? Uh, it is correct. If my yeah. jet lag is uh, not uh, missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it's 1 p.m. Yeah, 1 p.m. Uh, New York time, whatever time zone it is. But uh, yeah, 1 p.m. Yeah, perfect. We'll include some details on that uh, following up with this ending. And then Iskra, the show in Sotheby's, I think, just launched yesterday and is open for a week. Does that close up next Wednesday? Next Tuesday? Next 14. I had some problems with the dates on Twitter, so now I think I know. It's from the 7th, I mean, from yesterday until the 14th, I think. And, and yes, but it's, it's on for bidding, and yeah, we'll see. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Uh, really enjoyed the spaces today. You know, Iskra and William are definitely two of my favorite artists. I know many of the people that are listening in. So thank you guys so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Really looking forward to the upcoming collections that are live now and ones in the future. And thanks, as always, to everyone that, that joined in today. And uh, we look forward to next week. Thanks so much. Thank thanks, you. everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, a lot. Thanks a lot, us. everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. See you.